Good afternoon, everyone, and happy Easter to you. Welcome to our Sunday session, 4th of April, it's 2021. Well, thank you for joining me here on this uh, Easter Sunday afternoon, uh, weekly time for exploring nature-centered folklore and connecting this within your favorite sanctuary space and expressing inspired visions that come to you within your sanctuary through your poetry, writing, arts, craft, performance, and problem solving. But I imagine for plenty of you, uh, you're with the families as far as you can under the conditions, especially if you've got children very much a children's afternoon. So I thank you and appreciate uh, warm hearted for those who are joining live uh, this afternoon because I know it is a holiday day and you'll probably be doing other things. And in much of Ireland, it's a beautiful day. The sun has kind of gone in, it's uh, cloudy today. But today's Sunday session, I feel, is in tune uh, in this time of Easter uh, in the Christian world. And uh, this is a resurrection and the three trees. And uh, that's, uh, you'll be familiar with that if you've seen uh, the promotion for this. And this afternoon, uh, I'm going to be exploring expanded thoughts and feelings about the resurrection at this time. And I'm going to be uh, including the ancient folklore of the three trees of the Bard. Uh, and that's, in some regions, many regions, is pronounced as trees, but I know in some regions it's something like choice. And uh, sometimes I'm wondering if the word is correct because um, choice is more towards mystical and enchantment, whereas uh, tree or tree or tree is more like tradition. So anyway, but that's what's written down is the three trees, uh, the gaunt tree, gold tree, and the sawn tree. So we'll stick to that this afternoon. And as this is about in ever-changing enchantments uh, upon how we live, I'm, I'm going to stretch these three trees, the three I mentioned, uh, beyond sound, uh, beyond the cure, uh, into how that affects us. Because, of course, when we listen to music, when we listen to sounds, it can adjust our attitude and our thoughts and our inspirations about how we live and especially how we live according to our nature moves us. Now, today's uh, guest there, uh, I haven't got any live guests today because, um, well, as I say, people are celebrating. Uh, those I, want, I invited live, they've got children, they're going to be full of eggs and bunnies today. So I've got a couple of video guests for you, and that's going to include uh, beautiful poetry from Fergus Hogan, uh, who's been on live with us a few times, and very popular, and a song uh, uh, for the spring sun from Claire Roach. And there's her with her Easter bonnet there. Uh, absolutely gorgeous. Uh, so uh, the topics today, I'm going to be doing an encore of a resurrection story uh, that uh, now I'm trying to uh, line up a picture for this. It's, it was... I told it when I think I was first told this. Uh, well, I told it to you last year, but this was a story. I'm going to tell you why and how. A story that I told when I was about five or six years old. And uh, don't say it's not up. I'm looking through my pictures here. And uh, so much for continuity. 
I think I've embarrassed myself. Uh, oh, here it is. I'll say that again. It's an encore of a resurrection story I told, and I think I was five or maybe six years old. There you go. Uh, that's how what it was like, uh, the cheeky self, when I was actually uh, telling this story. So, so much for the smooth um, transitions there. And uh, it's a contemplation, as I say, of the three trees, uh, the three strains of the bard, uh, expanded into how we live our lives. And uh, this, all this is amongst the joys of you, some of you watching, and a lot of you not watching, among the joys of Easter eggs and uh, bunnies and uh, maybe some picnics and feasting at this time. Uh, whatever you're doing and enjoying, uh, absolutely wonderful. And uh, there's going to be, I'm going to put on, still put on a panel session. So please join in with your questions and get some answers. So uh, let's see uh, who's uh, here for this uh, wonderful Easter. I see there's a few of you here. Donna's here, the regular. Lovely. Thank you. Happy Easter, Donna. Thanks for being here. And Sandra Elizabeth Medium, another regular. Fantastic. And there's Tina who's gone uh, indoors. You're getting the cold wind there, Tina, I assume. Uh, we were getting there for a while. Now it's warmed up a little bit again, thank goodness. But I was sitting here waiting to start, and uh, I wondered, oh, I went and rushed in and got a cold. Anyway, anyway, these Karakori Sunday sessions in Labyrinth Gardens, uh, as I'm often uh, saying, uh, they're brought to you by, largely due to our Patreon subscribers and subscribers, subscribers are watching here live today. So thank you for this constant support as without it, I wouldn't be able to be here this afternoon uh, hosting this because uh, there are quite heavy hosting fees now. Uh, so let's get on to uh, my wee bit here. Uh, this time of year, people, they post photos, memes, videos, and articles on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And it expresses their interpretations of Easter, the origins of Easter, and sometimes as a wreck of the resurrection itself. And people love to relate to the symbols of this time. As I was saying, the, uh, uh, the eggs uh, and the bunnies, of course, and uh, the hairs, the triple hair one. I won't go into an explanation of that this time. You can ask that in questions if you like. But uh, there's also the... Uh, let's see if I can get the spelling. The Easter, E-O-S-T-R-E. -E. Um, and I think this is a picture. Yeah, here we go. There we go, of Easter. Uh, the Saxon Germanic goddess of the dawn of spring and the bringer of fertility. Well, that's what is claimed anyway. But there's something, uh, this is something from Medi that was brought to our attention by the uh, medieval scribe, mid-medieval scribe, monk called Bede, uh, who was scribing in Northumbria, and he wrote about uh, Istra. And uh, there's a, an artist's impression of Bede scribing away there. But many scholars since have wondered if he actually made that up. And, not, and there's another inscription of Bede. So did he make up about uh, Istra? And to add to the folklore confusion, uh, the Victoria writer, uh, Jacob Grimm, there he is, one of the Grimm brothers. And he wrote about uh, Bede composing uh, the word Istra from a German folklore goddess called Astara. 
Um, but scholars could not verify that Ostara existed. But people have actually loved the Ostara story. Uh, Ostara, according to Grimm, uh, well, that's shown in that, was shown in that picture a bit, uh, that she transformed a bird. I don't know what species of bird, but she transformed a bird into a hare. And that picture has got a bird and a hare. And, and the, so the hare started laying eggs. <laughs> so that's where you get your bunnies and eggs, apparently, uh, thanks the, to Jacob Grimm. Um, but add to this, uh, we also have the earlier folklore from Babylonian times, Assyrian and Persian times. And we have the um, mythology of Ishtar, Ishtar, if I can find uh, Ishtar. Uh, I've got some other things. There's Grim, one of Grimm's hairs there. Got a picture of that. And uh, oh, it's also said another one I, I probably forgot to say is, uh, according to Grimm, Ostara, after converting the um, bird to a bunny, uh, the bunny started laying multicolored eggs. And that's what that's there about. So uh, anyway, go to uh, Ishtar. There's, uh, there's an ancient... Uh, uh, picture of Ishtar. She was an ancient spring goddess of fertility, mating, and sex. But uh, scholars doubt that she's actually associated with uh, Easter. And here's a picture here of the Ishtar gate uh, in the ancient Babylonian ruins. In fact, there was actually a revival of Ishtar in Ireland uh, that started, I think, well, it happened about three years ago when the pubs were allowed to open on Good Friday but for COVID reasons, not allowed to open the past two Good Fridays. But people on Good Friday were coming out of the pubs on early on Saturday morning, uh, early hours of Saturday morning, and going around wishing everyone happy Easter, happy Easter. That's my story. I'm sticking to that one. <laughs> anyway, and then if they could still manage it, the fertility ritual returned when they got home. Uh, but I'm going to speak now about the resurrection, not the uh, resurrection. And last year, for the resurrection of the three trees, I told the story of my childhood initiation into reading through having the Bible put before me. No telling John books, uh, uh, but the, the King James Bible, boom, put in front of me uh, by my first stepmother. So I hope you don't mind me presenting a portion of that story again today. It saved me repeating it. So uh, here I am um, uh, from last year. I was actually inside because it was cold. And I'm going to tell you how my own resurrection story and how I learned it and how I actually performed it. Uh, I trust you'll enjoy this. Uh, let's see if I can get it going. Anyway, and it really starts off from my own childhood. My mother passed away when she was four. And my father actually got married uh, quite quickly afterwards to a woman who was very lively, very assertive. And she always wanted me to be top of the class before I even started school. So she got me writing and reading. And uh, for the reading, it wasn't the usual sort of Janet and John books or the ABC books. She slammed down the King James Bible which in a way was quite surprising. She was a, a Methodist, and I thought they used a more, um, what they call the modern Bible, something like that. Anyway, it was this King James. And I remember I got excited by the challenge of 
reading this and uh, I actually managed to work out the words and some sort of pronunciation of them and as I figured all these words out and I absolutely love the challenge and I'm surprised that even today that I'm not speaking to you with lots of these and thous and whence and hence and all those words that I was obviously learning as first reading words but uh, I got fascinated not because of the religion not because of Christianity, but fascinated by these fabulous stories. And the one story that really got my attention was the resurrection, because it was going through my mind how many people were considering that everything was an end game. Today we sort of call it linear, that there's a start and that there's an end. And I couldn't accept that. I couldn't accept that stuff came to an end, that somehow there was a cycle, there was a spiral that we always were part of so when I read the resurrection I thought goodness me this is pretty cool uh, here is um, this lad uh, Jesus Christ uh, the crucifixion on Friday but no he was sort of taken away in a cave and he actually returned to life uh, and to to life forever for, to infinite life hereafter infinite life I should know the biblical term for that, but that became obviously the cornerstone for the Christian religion, but understandably so. And then in later years, when you go to secondary school, high school, whatever, one of the first physics lessons you actually learn is that nothing is formed or destroyed. It's always changed into something else. And I was, it was great to get that verification uh, when I was at school. So to get on with the story of this, as I say, she got me reading and writing, but she got impatient with me because I was very much a child of wonder. And wherever I was going, I had to stop and look at things. And she used to get very irritated because she was off to go to somewhere. And at that time, we were in uh, the Yorkshire Moors uh, between Bailden and Neilclay, a place called the Glen, lovely place because down in the valley there was water, there was a woodland and I play in that. Or I'd be up in the moors flying my kite. Uh, it was a lovely start, I must admit. Uh, there were some challenges, but I'm not going to go into that uh, in that story. And her mother lived in a sort of rural area uh, uh, in another direction outside of Bradford. And we'd go to Bradford, I don't know if it was once a week or every two weeks. And... Um, that was to do some shopping or errands. And to get from Bradford, she said it was a shortcut, but it was very pretty. And it was through a park, a lovely park. And it was this time of year, I don't know if it was Easter, but it was certainly very close to this. And we were wandering through, and there was a crowd of people gathered. And the crowd of people, it was a stage. And around this stage, there were people performing. Now, to backtrack a bit, uh, where we lived in the Glen, we used to get home deliveries of uh, various things, and most notable was the milkman and the baker. And the milkman was amazing. He was a young uh, person, uh, very much, I suppose, of the teddy boy ilk of the time. He had the wavy hair, and he always had the comb and uh, the jacket and always had a grin, always had this amazing grin. And when he first delivered, uh, he was bringing the milk around with a horse and cart. 
very dodgy if the horse bolted. But I think it must have been mid-50s. He was so delighted when they, they traded in his horse and cart for one of these drag-along electric um, milk floats. But uh, he had hills to go up and down. I, can't, I couldn't imagine that working out very well. And in fact, he didn't really have that long. I think it was about a year or so. And he got upgraded to one of these sit-on milk floats. And all this time, he had the big grin and delivering some of the milk. He also had butter and so forth. And the baker, he, uh, he was a grumpy old so-and-so. <laughs> I don't know why. He just stuck to his horse and cart anyway. Anyway, though, there was this stage and there was stuff going on. And I was absolutely fascinated. There was music. There were songs. I, you know, me being the child of wonder. Oh, what's going on? And there was my stepmother wandering on, turning around. Stop your dawdling. Come on, we've got to get going. We've got to get to uh, your step-grandmother. But I just took no notice. I was just enchanted uh, by this stage. And I had to go up close to see what was... Um, what was there and on the stage was the milkman with his big grin and uh, he was singing the Tommy Steele song was uh, about singing the blues <laughs> Just like, this guy with a grin I feel like singing the blues you know, I can't remember the lyrics of it now but I just was sort of taken by this so he sang this song and he looked really good with his wavy hair and his nice sort of velvety collared striped jacket and big buckle belt and uh, his extra tight turnover jeans you know the and winkle pickers of course and he held that and everybody cheered it seemed everybody loved the milkman but on came after him was the baker the miserable old baker and i think he had his uh, i think it was his sister who worked at mill in halifax and she was there and there was other women and were they were, they were kind of seniors in a way and the the baker he was playing the guitar and uh, the women had washboards and there was some fella there that had the tea chest uh, with a broomstick handle and the singular strong boom 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 and uh, they were they were singing uh, the Lonnie Donegan song putting on the style and it, it was so funny because they, whereas the baker with his big grin, they were all there with the reverse grin, putting on the agony, putting on the style. That's what all the young folks are doing all the while. <laughs> and I thought that was still fascinating. And obviously I'd been there a few minutes, uh, just taken by this whole thing. And I looked around, oh boy. My stepmother had vanished, and I wasn't clear of how to get to my uh, grand uh, step-grandmother. Oh, God, I sort of panicked a bit. Next thing, there was this giant man came towards me, and tallish man. Well, for a little me, that was probably that high. Tall man, dark suit. It was one of the men in black. <laughs> Lifted me up. Boom. And up the steps. Boom. Down onto the stage. Uh, 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 what's all this? What's, you know, what's going on here? And uh, as I turned around, there I saw the milkman grinning. And I didn't see the baker. Oh, I did see the baker. That's right, it was a mm, reverse grin. But I was paying attention to the milkman because he was sort of a hero, an idol of mine at the time. And then I did actually caught sight 
of ste the raging stepmother. Yeah, you wanted to get on with it, so you get on with it. You do something. You know, she was sort of doing the sort of cursing there. And this man in black, he sort of bent. I think he wore a Homburg, and he <laughs> he he bowed down, and he had these microphone. And of course, in those days, the microphone. There was a long black thing, looked like they had white icing on the top. And what are you going to do, little man? What? Oh, goodness. Yeah, and oh, I've got to perform something. Oh, dear. Oh, oh. And I remember the, uh, the day before at school, we had been learning the nursery rhyme, Humpty Dumpty. So uh, I said, well, I, 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 I'm going to do Humpty Dumpty. Oh, Humpty Dumpty, how lovely. And um, Milkman still grinning. Uh, oh, goodness me, I better do a good job of this. And uh, uh, um, uh, Humpty Dumpty had, was up on a wall. And Humpty Dumpty, oh, he had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. As I was going through this, I thought, how idiotic is all this? All the king's horses couldn't put Humpty together again. If the horses saw Humpty, who was a big egg, and had got down there and was all smashed on the floor, they're going to lick it up and get there, because eggs are good for their coats, make the coats all shiny. So can't depend on the horses. And as for the king's men, austerity and all that stuff, no chance there. So poor old Humpty on the bottom, I thought, well, this is not good enough. So I, I went straight into my version of the resurrection story uh, that from the Bible that I was obviously very excited about. But in the story I told then, I had to do a continuity. So Humpty Dumpty actually became Jesus Christ. And <laughs> so Humpty Dumpty, I wasn't going to accept that he wasn't going to be repaired. And uh, so in my story, I... Of course, in the uh, Christian story, it'd be the angels come along, but because of what my uncles and aunts and various other relations on my father's side believed in, they believed in the guiding spirits and the uh, guardian spirits. So to me, it was the, the guardian spirits turned up and they kept uh, Humpty Dumpty's spirit alive and calm. And uh, their idea was to move him to a cave that was nearby, but because they couldn't physically do it, of course, the milkman and the baker turned up and they helped move his remains into the cave. Whereas the guardian spirits, they actually uh, aimed to repair Humpty Dumpty and reform him. But it was a transformation. It was a resurrection. Humpty Dumpty didn't become an egg again. What they made was a huge cloud. And they released this cloud. And this is the story I told on the stage. Releasing this, this cloud they spread everywhere and sprinkled lovely fertilizing rain and all these flowers came up. And meanwhile, the milkman and the baker, they, they actually collapsed the wall. And so there was no wall anymore. And like in all these uh, stories, because there was no wall, no boundary, everyone lived happily ever after. <laughs> I hope you don't mind. I uh, didn't mind me actually uh, doing an encore of that one, but there you go. That's my uh, version of um, the first time I told the regeneration story when I was sort of five 
or six years old. Um, and uh, right, the uh, going on, as I say, the title of this was The Resurrection and the Three Trees. Uh, again, there was me, at, uh, how it would have been at that time. Uh, <laughs> uh, when I was lifted up and told that. Anyway, the three trees. Um, and uh, goodness, uh, trying to get my bearings here. I was supposed to have a picture to bring this on, but never mind. Uh, it was, I had a picture, hopefully it was of the Doida, the Dagda, but uh, somehow lost it. But I don't know where I picked this up from, but there is a phrase, uh, obviously, that was not straightforward language of the time of the Dagda. But uh, this quote about the Dagda being the healer of each wounded warrior, the comforter of each fine woman, and the guiding refrain that was over the blue water, giving sweet-sounding music. And that was from, apparently, that's a version from the book of the O'Connor Don. Anyway, uh, the three trees itself. In any story, and if you're writing a novel or a short story, a book, or a theater play, or even a movie script, there's a format, even when you're watching the movie, there's a format that flows through all of this. And I love to consider the ancient trees uh, just like this. I visualize the situations myself in a Breton Law format. Uh, there's a Breton Law. Uh, not so much format, but in a mindset. Because the three trees to me were the enchanting strains of the bard, the ancient bard, through story, poem, song, music, uh, whatever they enchanted people with. And most stories, they start settled and calm. We had Humpty Dumpty there in my version. He was sitting on a wall, and uh, he seemed very content there. And then uh, uh, that's his John Tree moment. And I suppose like most of us, um, before the COVID came flying in, that's where we were. And with stories, even in the, with the ancient barn days, they're not going to sell stories and get people's interest if they're just sitting there meditating, contemplating, everything's rosy. That doesn't get an audience, really. So there's got to be a challenge and a shocking moment when the calm is gone and a disaster evening. And even with Humpty Dumpty, it's just about to fall off there. And so we enter the gold tree time. Uh, there's a kind of a nice uh, spelling of it for you there. Um, but not only of challenge, gold tree, yeah, uh, I did get that right. Not a, and the gold tree time, not only of a time of challenge, but despondency, melancholy, and the feeling of how do we get out of this mess? How do we get out of uh, this pickle? And I think I've got something on the uh, banners I put up for this because I'm going to have to find out from scholars about this. As I say, we have the John tree, gold tree, and sun tree there. But I tend to wonder because uh, why is it uh, the T and why is it not a B? Uh, that's the question I've got. Is tree or tree or troy or droy uh, and or trek or droy? You know, because the, with a the T, it's like it's traditional in some way, and D, it's mystical. Uh, so I got that. And uh, if we got something like Jean Trek, yeah, that's kind of a Celebration, tradition of celebration, um, and then uh, Gotruk, uh, that's a lament. Uh, if it's Gotruk Kyol, that's a lament. 
and the Sonshirk, uh, Kiolatha Lullaby. So that's, uh, anyway, if you any scholars amongst you, you can, might be able to correct me on that one. I'll take that a bit further in the panel time, or I'll just pull it down right now, and we'll follow it up. Uh, so, um, just there, there we go. Well, that, well, I was supposed to bring that up as well. Uh, but um, some people describe the genre tree as light and gold tree as darkness. But I think it's unfair, and doing that is unfair on darkness to call that a kind of melancholy. And ever since I was a child, um, it's how people seem to lock themselves into a melancholy realm, I suppose. It irritated me. Uh, to me, when I first read of the crucifixion, it's as if people stop their lives there. And it's as if we have a belief in forcing an endgame, like uh, on this famous film. And we seem to be currently getting this expressed through... It's still happening. It was bad last year. And it's still happening, getting this kind of crucifixion attitude expressed through conspiracy theories that are running rampant. Even the attitude with the burial, the grave, and the, a body being placed in it, that that is the end of that person. But with everything, I tend to instinctively try and visualize the resurrection that's going on in any situation, that transformation, because nothing is destroyed. It's just changed into something else. Basic physics, first law of thermodynamics, which you're probably all very familiar with. The energy can't be created or destroyed and only changed into something else. It's a transformation realm. And this is the one I love. The th of all the trees, the Sion tree, the enchantment of the sleeping, of the dreaming, of the lullaby, as I mentioned as well. And within stories, everything starts with calm and content, even when we're watching a movie. And then challenges erupt, such as someone losing a home becomes ill, or a disaster happens, or sadly, even death. But to me, resolve, there's always a continuance to make this into a, a cycle. Uh, many modern stories seem to leave us hanging uh, in the dis disaster these days, which is a great shame. And they don't seem to find a resolve or m a movement away from this. I think it's very sad with modern stories going in that direction. But to me, resolve and movement from challenge needs entry into the consciousness, our imagination, our inspiration, and our dreaming. And suddenly, something surfaces. And we, I'm sure we've all been through this. Ah, yes. Now that's, I get it. Now I can see and visualize what we do. And that's why I, I do those three kind of pillars at the beginning. The idea of, of taking something from uh, the tradition, something from folklore, bringing that to your sanctuary, contemplating it. And from that contemplation, I find that's a wonderful tool for bringing a vision, bringing a prophecy of your present, and uh, off we go forward. I'm going to talk more about this when we come back to Tree Sanctuary. I think it's in a couple of weeks. Um, but anyway, this all reminds me of the Christian teaching of God always provides. And there was a monk that once told me when we were talking about that, he had some sort of challenge, and I said to him, Ah, yes, you believe God always provides. And he answered me, yes, always at the last minute. So after that calm challenge, uh, the beginning of the story, after the disasters and the solutions and resolve, the stories end, or they used to end, 
with everyone living happily after, didn't it? But as you know, people do not just end up living happily ever after. And if we did live happily ever after, then we would never know what good times are, would we? Because it'd all be happily ever after. So we need those challenges, I think, to appreciate that. It's as if we need the gold tree to understand the John tree, and we need the sun tree as the twilight zone to transport us between those two realms of living. A sort of day and night, night and day kind of living. So there we had in my wee story, Humpty Dumpty in the story, all splattered and seemingly with no hope of recovery, but due to the amazing power of resurrection, was transformed into something wonderful. Uh, any more comments? You're, uh, you're being a little wee bit quiet there. Uh, anyway, I would like to continue a bit more on uh, the thoughts of resurrection. When I posted about today's Sunday sessions through the social media and through my newsletter, I must admit I was probably quite assertive in the description, and it did kind of upset some people, unfortunately. I was partially following up, uh, really, on their conversation with Sarah and Seamus last week. They were one of the wonderful live couple of the Fairy Council. And during that Sunday session and any Sunday sessions, I'm often inviting the idea of looking at challenging, invasive, abusive, and violent situations through the system of commandment, judgment, sentencing, and punishment, which is uh, the sort of lifestyle that we seem to pass ourselves through. And, and there's a rock of commandments there. I had that illustration up. But... Comparing this to what we know and can find out about the Brand Law application, of, which is a connection to nature. It's about counsel, mediation, and resolution through restitution. And there's some uh, Brand Law uh, circle going on there, that even though they're not in a circle. Easter and resurrection does mean different things to different people. But I must admit that I tend to relate the commandments and judgment thing to the Good Friday symbolism, whereas that's brand law to me is what the regeneration Sunday, Monday, Easter. To me, that's how I interpret it anyway. There's a sort of joke that haunts me through this, and it was when comedian Bill Meyer, American comedian, quipped, Republicans, they form militias, while Democrats, they form drum circles. And this must be a bunch of Democrats there, I suppose. Anyway, I think that uh, that was a great sum up for what I was trying to share there. But what is also now echoing with me is a discussion I had last week uh, with Seamus and Sarah about each of us having a bit of fairiness within us. But sometimes it's a challenge knowing how and why to express it. So a lot of us keep our fairiness sort of locked in. And I think the running theme of Karakuri's Sunday sessions, as I was saying, is could get to and express a bit more uh, of fairiness in our lives. And I hope you find that this, these Sundays do encourage this. And next Sunday, I will be talking much more about this through Discovering the She. But before being forced into ascension into the she world, and I always love this cartoon of that, an ascension into the she world, all major religions seem to start with a simple person who lived a similar life uh, to, uh, I suppose, Jesus did, uh, uh, humble lives. Yeah, the church systems, to me, are like institutions that are towards almost like a militia, militia style of command. 
And though I'm not referring to the community and fellowships of churches, which are wonderful human responses, of course, I've always liked, uh, for instance, the, the church is where they have afternoon picnics. The morning meeting might be the institution, but the afternoon picnic is a fellowship, connection, communication, and counsel. And our, I, I believe a lot of our regular audience are out there on picnics right now. But it's when we leap out of our boot camp linear obedience suit. To me, this is what picnic's about. We're leaping out of that boot camp linear living uh, into a more of a free-flowing act of sharing, and this is, you know, picnics is a time when we can really share our fairiness, I suppose. We can, just the fun of it, the eggs and the bunnies, uh, and how we express that is a bit of our fairiness, isn't it? So this is me, in a way, going around in circles, attempting to offer perhaps a more unenlightened interpretation of the resurrection, engaging in moments of feeling free, perhaps reborn from the injustices of... Uh, maybe politically manifest human-made laws that we follow as an institution, but ascending ourselves into something timeless, wonderful, engagement, the connection, uh, all with the flow of life. So that's how I see it, uh, going from the judgment and institution and then our um, resurrection into our bit of fairiness and our connection with uh, life the bunnies, the eggs, and so forth. And someone uh, posted in on Facebook. Uh, it was in the Create the New Normal group. Uh, check it out on Facebook. And they claim how trees around... Um, when There was a woman that passed, I can't remember her name, but she was saying as she went for a walk, uh, the trees told her, were speaking to her through a wordless emotion, not through words, of course, but the emotion, she could understand it. And this emotion was to turn back and go home. And she did that. And by doing so, she avoided being stuck in the snow. And there was a snowstorm that came very soon after she was amongst these trees because it was sunny like it was here this morning. And uh, we're supposed to have snow tomorrow. So the same situation, maybe. So in, the, um, in that group, the new normal, she was asking people, were the trees actually talking to her? What well, people have had that experience? You can perhaps put in your comments your experience of uh, something like this. And others in the group then replied with similar experiences. And there was one person actually reminded that way back in 2004, when unfortunately Thailand, the west of Thailand, Phuket, uh, etc., had that huge tsunami. But a lot of people actually started running for the hills before the tsunami actually occurred. And if through interviews, those Thai people who did that, uh, especially the rural people, said they did so because the trees told them to go to the hills. The trees warned them. And I think that's uh, fascinating. But my own uh, offering uh, for that is uh, there was not just the trees talking. It was suddenly our ability to tune into all life that's around us. And... We may think it's the trees that are talking to us as they are so big compared to us and full of all that strength. And they can make quite a noise when the breeze and the wind comes along, very commanding. So that affects us emotionally. What's going on? It's like a, a warning. But when we're in tune with such a situation, 
It's if we suddenly become instinctive weather forecasters. It's like all the other animals. It's not just the trees, the other mammals in the woods, the mammals, the birds, the insects, and the reptiles all around us. They're feeling the same. It's this whole network going in. And they move for the best because there's this like consciousness of weather forecasting that goes on. So, uh, but I do think our institutionalized education that we go through can suppress us uh, from these ways and from these instincts. It brings us into the linear ways. I saw a meme again on Facebook uh, was saying that what do we need to live? We need to grow food. We need shelter. Uh, we need uh, herbs. Um, and there was a whole list of things. And it said at the end, how much of these things are taught at school? None of them. Nobody learns these things at school. Well, they're starting to now. Uh, I do love the human ability to read and write because that's what we learn at school. But I feel we must never lose connection or deny our instincts. Our instincts, which to me, they flow in cyclical spiral and waveform. They're perceptions that are just going round and round, not the linear light we read and write. Um, and the, this is a reason why I love the current increase in forest schools. And the more recently, the more hands-on and biodiverse eco-education. And it's going right up into adults, it's going right through the secondary schools. And I love that. So I suppose for Easter, we do not think much about the resurrection in the biblical story as we once did. I think we, um, we're thinking more about eggs and bunnies and picnics and sunny days and the good shared meal that we may have with people. And uh, how resurrecting is that? It's brilliant, isn't it? And doing all those fun things, I think it's a lovely way of sharing our bit of fairiness. So, um, in our own way for a while, uh, we ascend from the crucifixion, the moments of our lives, more of a sanctuary of heaven within. And when we're in the sanctuary, to me, it is a heaven with all the honesty and love that we're sharing. Uh, and I say, I'll talk more about this in the next couple of weeks. But uh, I'm blabbing and moving on. And we've got some lovely video guests. Um, and I want dying to move in. So I'm going to introduce the first one. Uh, any more comments from you? Uh, there's, uh, let's see if there isn't. There's not much chat going on. Uh, happy Easter, Fergus is about. And uh, happy Easter to Claire. Davina's here. And Claire Roach is here. So uh, all our guest stars are here. We got uh, uh, she, uh, Sheila Phillips-Droff and Claire Kelly's here. So it's lovely. Thank you for uh, coming here through this uh, Easter time. And uh, it's wonderful. I'm delighted that you're spending time here. And uh, there's, uh, there's Easter Day folks from Claire. Great, because at this point, uh, you're familiar, most of you, uh, the followers of Sunday Sessions. When there's a good excuse, we'll get the poems of uh, Fergus uh, in here. And uh, there he is. That's his uh, avatar there, lovely avatar. And uh, so, uh, okay, I've got something from Fergus. He couldn't, he wasn't on live today. I, I know he's involved in something else. But he dropped off this lovely poem. So here we are, a lovely moment of Fergus Hogan. 
nature revisited. When I fall from grace, the truth of my being, out of the story I imagined as real for myself, I return to nature. Between woods and water, I sit by the shoreline and silent retreat. I watch the sun rise and I watch the sun fall. I watch all the colours of the sky pass by. I make friends with the elements and weather. I welcome the wind and the rain and the sun. I pray to each one giving thanks for their gifts. Blow these idle thoughts from me. Wash away my sins. Burn new life and love and light deep into my bones. Here I am renewed in communion with nature. Here I talk with the mink and the heron who come to visit a while with the birds in the trees and the stones at the water's edge and the trees in the water too. Bearing witness till the end of the day when the lake swaps the moon for the sun and the stars up above dance with crayfish below. And I realise in this perfect union Nothing is asked for, and nothing is taken. We breathe and live and let go. Always, together, as one. Ah, now, wasn't that beautiful bit of Easter afternoon, bit of sauntering, bit of dreaming. Thank you for that, Fergus. Absolutely beautiful, uh, gorgeous. And um, I'm sure you're going to have one or two comments about that. Uh, oh, Fergus is still here. <laughs> Lovely to be here. He is still there. Thank you for that, Fergus. It was wonderful. Lovely scene. Uh, a beautiful sanctuary minute there. Thanks again. Um, well. On to our second guest here, and definitely a day and an afternoon, a lovely, relaxed afternoon, to bring on a Claire Roach song. And to me, this is uh, very fitting uh, for an afternoon. It uh, goes, this song goes way back. Um, I've taken it from a YouTube before YouTube was even uh, part of Google. And I'm trying to find up... Uh, no, I thought I had another picture. Anyway, without further ado, a beautiful moment from Claire here.
It's back to me. 
that was beautiful, wasn't it? I absolutely never tire of that. Fields of Fazerol uh, by Claire Roach. So that's actually performed in the Tara Church. Uh, it goes back a bit, but Claire performs it just as well now and just beautifully. And uh, I, I noticed the watching numbers went up when Claire was on, which was fabulous. And uh, there's uh, Linda Quinn Jervis uh, saying thank you. And uh, there's uh, Davina, uh, love this uh, heavenly voice there. And uh, thank you very much for that. And uh, and there's Terrilyn uh, Fern Mudge, who, uh, who just joined the show. So, um, uh, Terrilyn, uh, I hope you're here from the beginning um, uh, in the archive. But thank you for joining us. And thank you for the people who have been uh, coming on at that point uh, for the uh, well, do catch Fergus a bit earlier as well, and uh, worth going through. And there's a love from Tina there, and um, Claire, so peaceful. It was beautiful uh, video of Fergus's poem a little bit earlier, and uh, very beautiful uh, there as well. And uh, I suppose, uh, yeah, the, the, if you didn't catch that. Um, uh, with uh, Fergus, uh, Nature Revisited. And um, I'm sure you'll play the archive to uh, see that again. Let's see if there's other comments from me. Use this time. As I say, this is normally panel time. Any questions, any experiences, uh, resurrection, your interpretations, uh, any questions, any thoughts, let your fairiness come out uh, for a couple of minutes. And... Uh, and let's have a chat uh, on the resurrection. And you can go through anything. You can go through, through the fun of the gun tree, the celebration, uh, or even uh, your contemplations through your gold tree and uh, your dreams and your lullaby through your song tree. So let's see what you've got to say over the next couple of uh, minutes. Uh, we've got a few comments uh, rolling in, which is uh, beautiful. Um, well, what's this? Let know John where you're listening, uh, yes, uh, or watching. And uh, there's uh, Fergus loving uh, Claire there. Um, Donna's uh, enjoying that, Claire's music. And, uh, yeah, keep all the comments, you know, even on Claire's music. It's not just about regeneration. I'm sure several of you have been regenerated there for uh, five, a lovely five minutes of Claire. and. Um, and there's Claire is uh, thanking everyone. There you go. So, and Tina and Ethereal. Uh, and the, uh, this is definitely the highlight. So, there we go. And uh, I shouldn't say that. Fergus was a highlight with me as well. I have to watch what I say on this. Uh, yeah, definitely uh, go back and watch Fergus. That's going to be the lovely part of this archive. The fact that you can, the, the latter part of this, you can repeat it as often as you like, uh, absolutely fabulous, because it's going to be archived forever, uh, which is uh, gorgeous. Uh, any questions and thoughts? Uh, what are you up to this afternoon? Uh, are you out there chasing bunnies? Are you out there trying to find eggs? Are you having a picnic? Uh, we did have a lovely sun. Sun's coming back out, and it is getting a little warmer again here with Carol Curry, which is very nice. I thought it was going to freeze at one point. Um, and spring is here, the Earth Renews, 
that's what uh, now for all our beloved goddess we give a thousand thanks there's uh, shane there i i'm missing our um our youtube people i hope uh youtube haven't stopped we haven't got our youtube comments where's big bear <laughs> uh we haven't had the people through the meter maybe they're all uh busy so i hope uh YouTube is getting this uh, loud and clear, which is uh, very strange that we haven't got them. Anyway, I'm I do appreciate all you people uh, through your Easter afternoon uh, joining in with this. Um, but I'm not surprised. There's Tina. She went out, did some uh, guide replanting. And uh, well, this is one of the advantages, of course, of the archive, uh, which is kind of intruding a bit live on this Easter, but I'm so pleased you're here. Thank you. So I, tr I trust you've enjoyed the Resurrection of Three Trees and the gas videos. Um, so these Karakoris, as I say, these Karakoris Sunday sessions, they're brought to you, uh, help, thank you for uh, through the use of the Patreon subscribers, which is really helping me along here uh that's joining the facebook group uh, that was oh yeah do that as well and uh patreon uh that's how we get funding to pay the subscriptions put on these videos and uh put on uh photos and uh so thank you very much that, that's what keeps us going uh anyway as i mentioned at the start of these sessions karakori sessions um I'm developing the She Water and Folklore course slowly, uh, but this weekly show putting this together has slowed this down a bit. And of course, we're all out in the garden when we can. Uh, coming up on Sunday sessions, the 11th of April, which is next Sunday, we do have the, um, if I can get up to our avatars for this, we do have, uh, whoa, 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 there we go. This is the one I like to use Discovering the She. And that's their lady walking around uh, the tree labyrinth garden here uh, because the leaves will be, if I'm outside next week, you'll start seeing leaves behind me, which is uh, very nice. And I'm looking forward to that. Makes this whole presentation far less naked than what it is now. And the buds are actually out around uh, with this willow can. And probably next from next Sunday, if we can be outside, and it is a good forecast next Sunday, or might, I might be surrounded with more leaves. And one guest that's booked uh, next week, uh, I'm going to do the uh, the she, the discovery of the she. But we're also talking of uh, harps and the, uh, the strains of the bard. Bards and harps, they go together. So I want to bring this in because it's very she-like. And we've got Brian Callan, the harp maker, uh, who will be introducing his harp-making craft. And this is... Uh, this is Brian after a couple of years of uh, COVID uh, <laughs> lockdown. Um, but he's still making these harps and uh, wonderful uh, craft making. Craft. You might have seen him on Nationwide. There was a lovely little um, introduction. But before Brian is live, we will continue with the fairiness and the she presence and indulging in that and all the images that we give to that. And then on the 18th of April, I talked about that in two Sundays time, it's Tree Sanctuary Uncurling. Now with this, um, during the last Tree Sanctuary session, mid-March, we had it, the focus then was on the sanctuary creation, maintenance, and what you're going to do to build your tree sanctuary. So it was very much hands-on. But for this session, 
we're going to focus on using a tree sanctuary or garden sanctuary as a retreat. And then uh, on the 25th, this was popular last year, is, um, oh, yeah, there we go. All you need is trees. That's definitely a thing. And uh, 25th of April is food sovereignty or food security. And now the one thing that uh, definitely the COVID time has done is encouraged millions of us to look at our gardens, look at the garden. A lot of lawns have disappeared in the last couple of years. And uh, either people have been growing food or they've just let biodiversity move in, just let the lawns, just nature take over. Um, a lot of people on the join the We Are the Ark uh, group. So uh, there's either wilderness, there's pollination, plants, more of those going on, more hedges being built. People are planting more trees. They're coming to the end of that season. And now people are indulging in the garden. So we'll be looking at that. This huge uh, food sovereignty that we've moved into, and we'll talk about that and compare it to the attitude of food security. And anyway, um, what it really is, is can our local gardens and local produce movement replace much of our dependence on the current food security system? So there's going to be quite a, a checkup on that. So that's what's coming up on the uh, upcoming Sunday sessions, as I say, hopefully outside next week because the forecast after we got a rough week coming up, which is supposedly snow uh, on Monday night, Tuesday morning, um, but then it will warm up again, hopefully for the next Sunday. So we've got uh, Sharon McNichol here. Happy Easter. Sorry a bit late. No apologies for being late. This is Easter Sunday, and I'm just grateful for anyone, even for a few minutes. The archive is there, and you can uh, watch back soon. And Fergus is wishing everybody a happy Easter. Love, thanks again, Fergus and Donna. Not much going on today. We might work outside. Enjoy. You've got a pretty day. Well, that's good. Flowers and trees and showing some green. Same here as well, which is a joy to see and a joy to indulge in, isn't it? Uh, we love Sunday mornings. We're <laughs> the adopted grandpa. Oh, yeah, I remember that um, because... Um, my grandchildren who I'm going to get videos and stuff of their egging and stuff today a bit later uh, in Scotland. The adopted grandpa from Ireland. Hope uh, bold enough to say that again. So I changed my name from Woodland Bar to Grandpa from Ireland. The Woodland Grandpa from Ireland. So anyway, your your views on that, you can throw that in the comments. Uh, am I the Woodland Bard still or am I the Grandpa? Woodland Bard or the, the Grand Woodland Par. Oh, I don't know. Come up with the ideas uh, on that. I wish I had a prize to give away on that one. Uh, thank you again. Uh, thank you for the uh, Steva family there. Um, I, I think you're, are you, uh, now where are you? You're, are you actually in Mexico? I'm not sure. New Mexico. I know you're in that sort of region somewhere. Anyway, uh, what else we got here? Um, Tara Lynn, we're starting our planting season. One of our practices is to touch the seeds with your tongue before to connect the spirit of the seed. Well, that's, uh, I haven't come, heard that's, I used to hear a lot of that as a, a tradition and great to do that. And certainly uh, by dampening them and the blessing and appreciation, that's a, that is a beautiful thing to do. And I can imagine there's some, hidden practical benefits from doing so. Brilliant. 
and uh, there's uh, thanks uh, for doing this. We're going to do some pioneer place where the people live like they did a hundred years ago. They have real working farms. I gather that's in Carolina somewhere. So look forward to your blogging and tales and posts about that, Davina. Uh, thanks very much uh, for sharing with that. Again, all these, um, and even uh, Donna's got bunnies running around. She actually has real. I was hoping the hairs here would be about, but they don't seem to appear here in the afternoon. We rarely do get rabbits here, uh, but uh, lovely. And some people, uh, neighbors around here have been installing uh, hen houses. Uh, they're brave because we got the pine martins and foxes here. So I hope they're okay with that, but it's definitely a thing been going on. Last year, it seemed to be a lot of people were putting beehives in uh, around here. Today, this time, this spring, it seems a lot of the projects is with hens and ducks. And I'm not surprised the foxes and pine martins are going around looking well-fed at the moment. So I hope yours are all safe if that's the project you've got. Though I noticed the, they have high fences, but... I know the pine martins are pretty good climbers, so keep yourself secure. And I, all I do is wish you some great eggs, uh, uh, yield of eggs this year. Um, let's see. Husband Rodrigo from Mexico talked about microgreens and playing flute uh, focused on food sovereignty. Well, there's an idea because uh, from time to time I get into uh, microgreens fad myself, especially in winter when you can't grow anything outside. The microgreens is a great thing, as, and sprouting, of course, is a great indoor thing. But I was looking into that idea because I'm kind of missing the fresh greens. When greens, uh, they don't really start coming up outdoors here till June, and microgreens is something you get going. Yeah, I'll take you up on that one. Let's, let's have, um, be great to have Rodrigo on as a guest to talk about that. Fantastic. Uh, I'll, I'll message you uh, later on that. Uh, Pioneer Village, interesting to see. I, again, uh, like to hear about that. And maybe you'll be on live, Davina, about telling us something about that Pioneering Village. That would be a lovely thing uh, to do. Anyway, thank you again, all of the, vid uh, the video guests today, uh, Fergus Hogan and uh, Claire Roach. And uh, thank you so much. Thank you all for being with us uh, on this and um, taking some time out on this Easter Sunday. Uh, absolutely uh, fabulous with it all. And uh, the sun is out. I'm just bathing in the sun here and just going into a dream myself. But if you're watching this as uh, an archive uh, after this live broadcast, keep your comments coming. Uh, I'll still come back and read them. Uh, that would be great to see. And... Uh, Please subscribe. Um, if, there's bell icons on the YouTube. I think Facebook has them. And that'll get you messaged with next details of each Sunday sessions as they come along. So enjoy a safe week. Enjoy the rest of the day. Enjoy uh, uh, your fellowship, uh, whether it's with the people, whether it's with your children, uh, the few people you can be with, whether it's amongst your plants, amongst your trees, uh, amongst your lovely meal that you're going to have later with uh, or your picnic, even if you're having tea and sandwiches and afternoon tea by yourself. 
there's still a lot of inspiration and enchantments. So until next Sunday, everybody play well. Thank you for being here this Easter afternoon. And it's bye from me. Bye. Bye.